so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he ever takes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the breaking zone! Hamilton and Hungry. Truly a love eight relationship. Welcome to the 250th episode of Motorsport 101. Live! That was exciting. It's quite the, the crazy milestone. Welcome, everybody, to the 250th episode of Motorsport 101. I still can't quite believe we've done this many. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. Thank you very much for listening and indeed watching. If you're watching this live on YouTube right now, we made this a live recording in front of the world. Uh, to, to hear and listen and watch and all that good stuff. Um, I'm already getting booed out of the building in the chat by the disc, by, by, by the YouTube chat, just saying, boo, how cheesy this pun was. I'm, I'm sorry, I had nothing better available. Um, but uh, thanks to everyone that's tuning in, watching and listening in. We really, really appreciate it. Um, let's introduce ourselves to the co-panel as usual. Uh, to my right, we have Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Oh, hello, and uh, it's fantastic to be here. Um, a little bit about myself. I had gone through many phases. I started writing about motorsport about five years ago uh, for a couple different outlets. Uh, thank you, Peter Allen of Formula Scout. Thank you, Graham of Race Department. Uh, one thing led to another, led to me being a guest on the podcast, leading to me being a regular co-host at the same time that I became a regular contributor for sites like DailySportsCar.com. You may also know me as the guy that runs Super GT World, which is, also, which is as it says on the tin, a uh, site about Super GT and other forms of Japanese motorsport. But I, I know my F1. I've watched F1 for the better part of 20 years, uh, been watching racing, playing racing games since I was about a child. I think the same could go for a lot of us. So, hello. Um, it's fantastic to see everyone. Uh, please leave us all your feedback. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah, this is also kind of like an intro sequence, because for a lot of new subscribers to this channel, this is going to be the first time you've probably seen these guys, especially in the flesh. So, uh... We apologize in advance. Um, we're not oil paintings. You assume people listen to the podcast? I don't know. I'm not taking any chances. I'm humble like that. <laughs> <laughs> you never um, know. Says. Uh, also, I love that I mentioned that on Discord, RJ's to my right, where in the actuality on YouTube, he's actually directly below me. So, uh, <laughs> well organized, Dre, as always. Um, way, way to go. High five, everybody. Um, so, to my right, my actual right, if you're watching us now, is Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hello. Mm. I'm actually to your left. To your right is the border of the window. <laughs> this is going perfectly. <laughs> it's so great. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying a fucking word. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've, you know, been here from the beginning. Uh, before this show, I was... I had another podcast that ran concurrently to this show and then abruptly ended with a with a certain YouTube personality who's now been away <laughs> from the community for a very, very long time. 
Uh, uh, the, the the athlete VG era. What a time! Yep, yep, <laughs> now, now I'm here full time, and it is it is now multiple years. Oh oh dear! But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's to the point where I've I've actually been on more episodes of the show than Trey, and that that's insane. <laughs> He has been on more episodes than me. I don't know the exact number. I, somebody would have to go back and tally that up. But due to work commitments, I've often sometimes missed one or two shows in a row. And King is all reliable, so he always ends up being on it. I think I think King's only missed like three or four shows like ever yeah, in the yeah, history. And like one episode I missed due to surgery, and I was back the next week. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. Remember, this becomes important later. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Um, and uh, I, I don't even know what box he's in. I don't care anymore. He's in one of the four boxes that you could put on this stream right now. It's Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. I exist, everyone. Yeah, we did it. Made it. Uh, I, uh, I joined the show last year on the preview to the 24 Hours of Le Mans for 2019. I had the first of many legendary angry rants. This kind of become my theme here. And the last time I was on a live stream on the internet where people could see my face, there was tears streaming down that face <laughs> after Simon Pagina won the Indy 500. Yeah. <laughs> you had the rather uh, inauspicious start to your M101 career uh, because we needed somebody to help us along preview that Le Mans, especially considering how much of a mess that race was looking. I figured, like, why don't we get the guy who has the loudest opinions? On the <laughs> loudest <laughs> opinions. And I'm always on the hunt for more knowledge, more history, especially with sports cars. And but, motorcycles. Uh, and motorcycles and just motorsport in general. If why don't you go fast? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Why why don't you have an avatar of yourself as a Seth MacFarlane character and some odd thousand subscribers on YouTube? Uh Dre, um, how did you get here during this project? During this <laughs> university project? it's a story that I've, I've said a hundred times and yet it still sounds completely implausible the uh, more times I even go through it. For those guys that are new, hi, I'm Dre Harrison. Uh, everybody calls me Dre now. I know my, my actual name is Andre, believe it or not. Even my own mother calls me that anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, just under six years ago, um, when I was studying in the final year of a broadcast journalism degree, um, I had two choices. I either do a 10,000 word uni dissertation like you normally do at the end of a degree in the UK or do some sort of special media based project. Now, I'd already been on YouTube for a significant amount of time as a Formula One video maker and YouTuber and general uh, can of gasoline on the open fire that was Formula One YouTube in the early to mid 2010s. Um, so uh, that was already spicy enough as it was. I walked away from a channel that had six and a half thousand YouTube subscribers. Um, and yeah, I, it was it was a project that I had to do for university where I basically thought, okay, let's create a website let's have a blog function on it and let's let's do 10 audio podcasts and 
And that's what it was. I called on old friend Ryan King at the time. To, you know, I knew he'd had an experience doing podcasts before. He somehow agreed to my ridiculous request. Um, and uh, we did 10 episodes together. And it went over so well amongst so many people. I, I got numerous requests saying, why not keep it going? 240 episodes later, <laughs> here we are. And... Uh, We've had many a co-host in that time and, and, and run in history. Um, again, we said me and King are the two originals here. We've, uh, you know, I wouldn't be wouldn't go begrudging without uh, mentioning other people we've had in the chair, like Adam Johnson, who sadly isn't here right now. Um, but he he had a significant part in this show's history as well in getting us to this point. But uh, this is now pretty much the main core four. But uh, we've had numerous long-time, you know, extra guests like Krista Hardy, who you may have listened to on the show regularly, as well as Zoe Hamilton, who is an absolute delight. And, uh, um, again, has been in, nothing but a good 20, 30 episodes as well herself. So shout-out to them. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, as I, I, I've, been, I've been making Formula One videos since 2011. <laughs> and... Yeah, September will be my ninth anniversary of making Formula One content I, I, on Dre. Dre so, someone is is raising their hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to make a point that for a while this wasn't just one podcast. Yeah, we had two. We had two. We had Bike Live as well. We brought Bike Live over from our days of Downforce Radio. Thanks, RJ. I actually genuinely forgotten for a second there. Don't. Show oh my Lewis. god. <laughs> I was going to mention. Oh, we're leaving us in. I let Lewis write the words of the book. I missed that. Honestly, I was like, honestly, like there was a big blank patch in the middle, and I was figuring out what it was. I put it. I'll put that one down to tiredness. Uh, but we also had, of course, Bike Live um, come over from Downforce Radio as well. When me and Lewis Sotheby and Rebecca James were working together on that for many a year. We did 92 episodes of Bike Live over there. So if you actually add up all of our shows, we're getting close to 350 rather than just 250. Um, so, you know, it's it's been an incredible journey to get to this point. Like I said, I've been on and off of F1 YouTube for nearly nine years now. Motorsport 101 is coming up towards six years as an anniversary this coming October. Um, right around the Russian Grand Prix, which was the first ever race we covered on the show. It was the, it was the first ever Russian Grand Prix back in 2014. Uh, um, yeah. was the Nico Rosberg and the turn one lockup. Yeah, the, the lockup that put him on the uh, 51 out of 52 lap hard tire strategy. I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, and yeah, here we are. Episode 250. <laughs> also, I know in the chat, Danny Brennan just goes, Lewis Sotheby is crying on a Spanish beach now. Look what you've done. <laughs> no, he, he's crying tears of joy on a Spanish beach. We're yeah, so but... proud of Lewis because he has made it to the big time. He's doing commentary for support rounds. He's entrenched in one of our favorite series, which we do I talk about. The dream. Don't you cry for him. No, like, like... <laughs> you don't need your tears. Oh, uh, so, you know. You know, so that is pretty much all of us in the history of this show from four wheels and two wheels. And now this is it. Episode 250. Um, just to give you a quick rundown of what's coming up in the next hour or so. We'll be talking about the Hungarian Grand Prix, of course. Lewis Hamilton's dominance. Max Verstappen's you know, installation lap drama. Uh, Lance Stroll's arguably best career race for a while. 
Um, Ferrari's hot mess. Haas's hot mess. Uh, expansions to the calendar. Yet more racial injustice shenanigans. Yes, we are still going to keep talking about this, whether you like it or not. Um, like as I mentioned, some of the calendar being expanded, such as the Nürburgring, the Al um, Algarve, and uh, Imola heading to F1 very, very soon. Um, all the support races in Formula 2 and Formula 3. And we'll talk a little bit of MotoGP as well, because a lot has gone down in her ref since our last recording for episode 249. And of course, the ongoing drama of Mark Marquez. And uh, will he, won't he race in her effort? Turns out he won't, um, but for good reason. We'll get into the nitty-gritty as to why in the second half of the show. But to get the general housekeeping part of the show out of the way, places you can find us all real quick, I don't even have right to say here! Right here! Right here! Because our Twitter usernames are actually right next to right next to our names. Nice one, King. But, but Very I mean, convenient. There, there, there might be people who are listening to the audio version of the show later on. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> podcasting is a visual medium. Very visual. Uh, valid point. I, think, I, think, I, I, I still keep thinking I'm in full video mode. I think this is going to be an actual audio show later. Um, you can find us on, tw on Twitter at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell. Um, at cbuck 917 of course, this very YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Subscribe, and you can get videos made from me as well as future podcast recordings, highlights, segments, all that good stuff, including a brand new segment we're going to reveal as a sneak peek to episode 248. It's not quite out public yet, but we have a sneak peek of that up tomorrow, talking about Vettel, Perez, and the big debate about what should be going down at Racing Point. So, for those guys that have been listening in, uh, watching this right now, there's a little preemptive spoiler for you. Um, you get an extra video tomorrow. Fun times! Um, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Uh, as mentioned, the podcast Twitter itself is at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Now, let this, let this be known. $5 gets you early access to all of our episodes at least 24 hours before they come out to the general public. Um, and if you back us at the $10 level, you only do you get that. You also get access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes and watch them because we all have our webcams on for this. Now you can watch them and listen live as they're being recorded because we're now actually going to be moving the direct recording process from Discord per se and obviously Audacity over YouTube because they'll handle a lot of the back end. So if you want access to all of our, our YouTube recordings as well, um, that availability is there now for $10 a month as well. It will clean up a lot of the back end. Hopefully it will speed up a bit of the production process as well. Um, you know, once we iron out all the kinks, we're nearly there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. Is just, yeah. yeah. King was in charge of that. It was like basically working out nuclear physics over the last week, trying to get this all figured out. Oh, but, no, uh, no. It was, it was pretty much the, once I got the basic setup going, it was the Mark Marquez strategy of like, time to wreck this thing in practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, wreck it now, we'll figure it out for the actual run. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's all been figured out now. So we, we're going to start recording these live on YouTube via unlisted links for anyone that uh, backs at the $10 level. We'll release the full recordings publicly later on down the road, probably when the full episodes come out. So, hey, even more YouTube content for you to subscribe to as well. So, you know, all our shows will now be on YouTube as well as a bonus. 
Isn't that wonderful? Uh, and you can find all those details and a whole lot more on our website, motorsport101.com, featuring blogs and all that fun stuff as well. So all of our content is up there. As well. This includes an automatic YouTube feed. It includes playlists to both of our shows. If you want to listen to the Bike Live archive, it's all there as well on the website. All 250-plus episodes of this show as well. And written content. Um, mostly me and RJ are over there. RJ, every once in a while, will chip in because he's generous like that. You know, he never tells when they actually come out. Uh, so I can't actually plug him properly. None <laughs> shall know the hour. <laughs> please, please do not forsake us, YouTube algorithm. Right. Um, and... He- written content by me as well normally up there including the full MotoGP City Season update is up there in full right now content on Vettel versus Perez all of that fun stuff is up there for you to enjoy so without further ado welcome to episode 250 everybody hope you guys are, are enjoying the show strap in um ooh. Did, did RJ put in a discord link as well to join the server by yes, the yes. Yeah. you could just pop in join the server I'm pretty sure yep. you, you could watch me on iRacing after the show, so for... Oh. <laughs> what greater incentive could there be? <laughs> you know, uh, the king... Yeah, so if, you, if, you're, if you're on YouTube right now, the link that RJ has put out is, uh, is a link to join our Discord server. It's normally invitation only. RJ's been extremely generous and put the link out. We're recording this live on Discord as well. I just got to respect, if anybody joins all of a sudden, Please, if you're going to listen to the general chat and listen to us, please keep your microphones on mute, please, and thank you. Um, that would be wonderful. Thank you very, very much. No um, unapproved guests. Um, so, yeah. Um, again, please don't be careful on your microphones. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the show, everybody. Um, after this quick musical interlude, we'll be back. Um, and, yeah, we will talk the Hungarian Grand Prix. So, the Hungarian Grand Prix. Hamilton wins again. Bye. Um, yeah. <laughs> death, oh, Max's heat death of the universe. Lewis Hamilton in Hungary. He's good at this track. He's good at F1 in general. Pretty much. I mean, was it 86 career wins now for Lewis Hamilton? Like, now Jesus Christ. Five away from Michael Schumacher's all-time record. I believe this now makes him... The driver with the most wins at any one circuit, I believe so. I believe yeah, Schumacher had four. I want to say it's either a tie or the outright. Yeah, it, it is. It is a tie. It is a tie. Yeah. A tie. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Schumacher had eight at Magni Core um, to, to tie it up. But uh, I mean. That was a joke to open the segment, but that's pretty much how the race went for Hamilton, in essence. He, he, he took off from the opening lap, and then no one could touch him. Um, and he probably could have won this race by 20-odd seconds if they wanted to. Um, I think they gave him the last-minute pit stop towards the end to go for the fastest lap attempt because they knew he had a pit stop in hand on yeah, Verstappen. Uh, he, he would have lapped the entire field except for the podium had they not pitted him. <laughs> You don't want anybody up to fourth. Oh my word, that's just yeah. You'll see. He spent the extra twenty seconds in the pits, came out back in front of Verstappen, went for a fastest lap attempt, 
on the fastest lap. So it's a clean 26-point sweep uh, for Lewis Hamilton. Uh, basically a perfect race, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, so whew, uh, a, a heated one to say the least. I mean, Hamilton's win was brilliant, but also arguably the, the, like, the least interesting thing about this race. Um, yeah, because, because unfortunately the only person who could possibly touch him, one Valtteri Bottas, I blew the start. He jumped it. Call it what it is. He jumped it. Unfortunately, he started and stopped after he jumped, and then as yeah. a result was not penalized. Yeah, was this happened, if you remember, this happened to Vettel in Japan last year, and I can't mm. remember what track. It might have been Austria where uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. had the same thing happen for him. I think it was, yeah. Didn't, so there is for this. Didn't we also have something like this come up in MotoGP? Because I know there's like a set tolerance of this sort of thing in yeah, car I mean, racing, I, and that's become like a heated point in yeah, discussions all over again. It's a bit interesting because this came up in MotoGP a couple of years ago. Uh, just two, there's two flashpoints for it. Andrea Iannone jumped the start and like a he jumped the start and in inverted commas at Mugello a few years ago. He started that was that was in 2015. Um, you know, 2015 week where we I'll talk about that book. Shameless um, plug. Shameless yeah. plug here. But uh, yeah, in the book I mentioned I mentioned that Andre Rianoni did jump the start in that race, but not really because MotoGP doesn't have like 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 in track and field where if you if you are if you react within point one of the gun it's deemed a false start because the fastest human reaction allowed is a blink of an eye, which is about a tenth and a half of a second, according to science. So any time, like, there's a little bit of wiggle room for it, but anything under a tenth in track and field would be considered a jump start because humanly, it's impossible to react that quickly. You've, pre you've tried to predict the start, basically. Um, and Jerry Iannone pretty much did exactly that, but in MotoGP... There is no tolerance after the lights go out. So apparently, Ian only left his grid box at exactly 0, 0.00 after the lights went out. There's no tolerance for that in MotoGP. So Ian only, got, Ian only start was technically legal, even though humanly he jumped it because he predicted it. Because there's no way he could have reacted that quickly to the lights going out. Um, this came up again a couple of years ago with Cal Crutchlow in Argentina, where he didn't jump the start, but he was rolling his bike forward before the lights went out. Um, and then that was deemed as a jump start. Crutchlow was absolutely livid after that race because it cost him a spot on the podium because he had, he had race winning level pace that day, but had to take a ride through penalty for jumping the start, and the punishment didn't really fit the crime, because a ride through in MotoGP is about a 40-second penalty. That's um, a race killer. It, yeah, it's a race killer, and as oh, a result, wow. they now changed it so that it's now a double long lap penalty if you jump the start. You might have seen that in MotoGP last week in the Moto E race with Alex DeAngelis, and in the Moto 2 race with Jake Dixon, because they both jumped the start and they were given double long laps, which is about five seconds all in. So, that's a quick explanation of the jump start situation. There is a tolerance in the rules for basically not taking advantage of said jump start by the sounds of it. Um, 
even though by letter of the law, boy, that's jumped <laughs> again. I'm still salty yeah, about if, if you move, <laughs> if you move, and then you still stop in your box again, it is legal before the lights go out because that's what Bottas did. That's what yeah. Japan. That's what Science did in Austria. So yeah, it was le- uh, it was legally illegal. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, to be fair, his, his start afterwards was so bad, he dropped to, like, sixth place afterwards anyway. So, in essence, I guess you could kind of make the argument, given he lost four places off the start, he kind of already served somewhat of a penalty because his start was shit. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, we kind of left it there, and there was mass confusion on Twitter. It's like, is that a penalty or not? Like, I saw Shane Bear and friend of the show Dorney arguing about it in the sporting regulations. Like, is this a jump or not? And, yeah, it was all it was all over the place. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, that rule is is a thing. It took Bottas a little while to make his way back through the field. The the, the big race drama towards the end was uh, him trying to chase down Verstappen um, on a three-stop strategy compared to um, Verstappen that was trying to hold out on all the tyres on the two-stopper. Um, <laughs> and uh, Bottas ran out of time. Um, probably one, maybe two laps short of where he should be. And... Uh, I love that uh, everybody just proceeded to dump on Bottas from a great height after. And I was like, nope, championship's over, boys. He can't pass Verstappen. It's over. <laughs> like, oh, dude. Well, and this I is mean... the round where we got to see the Mercedes car advantage in full display. They yeah. had nine tenths on the field in qualifying. And that next car in the field was last year's Mercedes. Yeah, before we get into the whole racing point thing, Cam, you made a point uh, when we were discussing this race in private, like afterwards. How good is this Mercedes? It's more <laughs> taking corners. It, 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 yeah. is, uh, it is unaffected by corners. It is... I haven't seen a car that sublime through corners since the 2016 Mercedes. Maybe the RB9. I, 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 it's absurd. I, I watched Lewis Hamilton's pole lap in qualifying. He was flat through turn eleven. I've well, never bored with corners. Why, I've why never the two of them drive it. It's it's almost boring. There's no overcorrections. The car just sticks. Yeah, I've never seen a car go flat through turn eleven before. Normally, it's, it's a very small lift. Hamilton's flat through eleven, and it, it's on rails. I've never seen anything like it. It's this thing's gonna be fun to watch at Silverstone twice. Oh god, <laughs> potentially thrice. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like, did you uh, hear the story? Of a small tangent that Silverstone said today they were willing to host as many as twelve races to fill the calendar out. Yeah, I don't no, want no, that much. Silverstone. Who's already pushing it? No, they're already they're just trying to pad out Lewis's pet British Grand Prix win count. <laughs> we have the 70th oh anniversary Grand Prix, the 70th anniversary part two, the 70th anniversary part three. Uh, you know, we have yeah, the Lewis. We, we have the British Grand Prix, the English Grand Prix, the Northamptonshire Grand Prix, <laughs> the DFS Sale Grand Prix, <laughs> the DFS Sale. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Oh dear. Yeah, I, I had to get that tangent because that, that, that was hilarious. I was like, oh yeah, it's also, we, we can have three races. We can have four races. We can have 
12 races. Why not? You know, you know, we're, we're going to get a calendar one way or oh another. You sound, you sound like you sound like LeBron James going to Miami. <laughs> Do we want to talk about Verstappen's race? Because that got interesting way before we even started. Yeah, Verstappen's race was Verstappen's race arguably wasn't the interesting part. It's what happened before the race. Yeah, installation lap coming out of the pits half an hour before the race start. I'm at work and I see this tweet saying, Verstappen has binned on the installation lap. And I'm like, what? Shades um, of Romain Grosjean at Brazil 2016. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> oh, dear. oh, my Lord. I think it was, what, it was the bottom of the track. I think it was turn 12, wasn't it? Yes. Um, no, it wasn't turn 12. It was um, sector two. Um, the long right where, if you remember um, where when we had the wet race in 2014, was it the same place that Lewis bend it on like the first couple of laps? No, his was earlier. He, like, yeah. Hamilton's was between turns one and two. No, I remember that one. I believe it was the backside. I'm sure the chat will help me out here anyway, but um, when it comes around, but I'm pretty sure it was like turn five where he's gone off before the chicane, the first of the chicane sequences, and he's just. He's just got on the wet stuff on the outside of the track and completely skidded into the wall. It's just Aquaplane in 101 um, right there, which should be the name of a spin-off show. Um, quite oh frankly. Lord. We only <laughs> cover wet races. But yeah, um, skidded off into the wall, broke the, uh, broke the push rod and I think the top wishbone. And Ooh. we're wondering, is he going to DNS this one? Mm. Because the he had a swarm of mechanics on the front of his car. The dreaded DNS did not start. Um, that was very nearly a real thing. Red Bull's mechanics had to scramble around the car, changing the front end, making sure the suspension was okay, the floor, etc., etc. Um, they had any, they only had about fifteen minutes before the off to get the car fixed, and they did. Um, they did with thirty and, seconds to spare. <laughs> heroic uh, job. For, Let's not forget these guys are in the middle of the the third week of a triple header, and uh, they've been pretty much going nonstop for twenty one days now in Formula One, and they were able to fix the entire front end of a car in fifteen minutes. Whatever they pay these dudes, they do not pay them enough. Quite frankly, um, that was a heroic effort from from Verstappen's crew and mechanics to get them back out there, and the car pretty much ran flawlessly in the race, and it was another phenomenal drive from Verstappen, who pretty much is pound for pound the second best driver on the planet right now, because that that was that was beyond the maximum that Red Bull was realistically going to get yeah, this week. We didn't talk about Red Bull. Red Bull's qualifying oh. displayed all the flaws in that car, because yeah. Red Bull, just as much as Ferrari or Taking up the place this year, and we'll get to them in a minute. Yeah, um, um, Red Bull's got, car was awful in qualifying. They qualified seventh, and Albon was thirteenth. And Albon did well. By Williams, the same Williams of George Russell, who went on Sky Sports to defend his friend and call out Red Bull Racing on their bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think his quote was something along the lines of, I can't believe what's going on at Red Bull. Alex is one of the best drivers I've ever raced against. I don't understand how, how this is happening <laughs> or what's going down at Red Bull. Speaking, and I'm pretty, 
Yeah, go he's on, being made to, Yeah, he's he. The quote was, "Albon is being made to look like an idiot." Mm-hmm. Yeah, strong statement. And Red Red Bull's car this year has some really fundamental problems once again. Where every year it seems Red Bull talks a big game in preseason and they come into the season with a very flawed car and then they have to fix it. And and by the time that they had they have the car fixed, the champions the championship's dead and gone. They got pole here last year mm, ahead of the Mercedes, which was fearsome around this kind of downforce heavy slow speed corner track, and they were nowhere. Pretty sure yeah. Max was 1.5 seconds off the top in qualifying. I think it was something along those lines. Yeah. I have uh, I have the numbers here. So Hamilton did a 113.4. Verstappen did a 114.8. So about 1.4 seconds on. You're right almost on the money by like a tenth of a second. Yeah. And I think the really big thing here with Verstappen and Albon is that this here, this isn't a case of, like I said on um, the show in Hungary with Seb and Charles and their driving styles. Austria. Austria. Austria, yeah. I, I I can't with 2020 anymore. It's just a blur. <laughs> look, look, look we've, got, we've got both halves of the Austro-Hungarian Empire of the early 20th century on the brain. It's fine. <laughs> oh, God. It happens. But, um, this isn't a case of the car favoring one driver or another this is a car with deep fundamental problems and i think that that small dis difference because i think verstappen you know verstappen as you said is probably the second best driver pound for pound in f1 that small difference between them where i think verstappen is a little better with car control right now and it makes sense albon is in his second year is suddenly amplified quite a lot by the flaws of the red bull where normally a very small pace difference then blows out to a large gap. We're seeing a similar thing with Repsol, Honda, and MotoGP, where they have one rider who is the best in terms of bike control, and that only amplifies the difference between him and, I guess, a replacement-level rider on the same bike. Yeah, because... If you've got someone with that much raw car control, they can kind of mask the flaws of a car or a bike. And Verstappen is doing that right now. He's kind of just brute forcing the flaws of the Red Bull. Even then, he couldn't in qualifying. He qualified seven. Yeah. And you look at the end of the race results, you see Albon 70 seconds back of Verstappen, kind of like what happened in Styria. And I I would wait... This year, where you'd think Albon would be closer with more time in the car and more experience overall, instead, the lap time gap between them is blown out. Jeez, I, I, I feel bad for Alex, man. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not a good look when Verstappen pretty much told them to mind your own business, basically. Worry about your own team. Look how great we are, basically. And, oh. yeah. and, then, and, then, after quali- and then after qualifying Verstappen, and Helmut Marco himself are openly criticizing the car. Right. So th- th- this clearly was not the droids that Red Bull Racing were looking for, and once again, Verstappen had to pull a big performance out of his keister to make it even look marginally res- marginally respectable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not going to happen every single weekend. 
You know, like Verstappen's not going to bail you out 19 rounds out of the 19 or, or however many we end up getting by the time yeah, we get to Looking the back at Austria, I mean, Austria as a track layout is about as good for Red Bull as it can get with the high to medium speed corners and the fact mm. that Red Bull always do well in high altitude. And they have, were half a second off Mercedes. Now on a track that is a little more representative in terms of altitude, they're nowhere. So where do you think they end up at Silverstone with more high-speed corners and a bit more representative altitude? Probably a little better because the Red Bull is very strong in high-speed corners. Yeah. But, I mean, through the through the low-speed chicanes, Mercedes is going to eat them alive. Yeah, what, what, what do you reckon, King? Yeah, I, I like exactly what Cam said. The Mercedes is going to eat them alive, especially during the arena complex, like, they're Ooh. they're gonna get destroyed. I mean, um, look at, we we, uh, we can kind of touch on Ferrari for just a second here. Ferrari had the second best car in the third sector, and they were losing a tenth a corner. Wow. Yeah. Mercedes' car. Um, someone did the the chart, and they went back through every race of the hybrid era. Mercedes hasn't had this much lap time advantage since the first race of 2015, which wasn't representative in itself because Vettel had spent most of the race stuck behind a Williams. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, So, so in theory, this is the furthest Mercedes has been in front of the field during the hybrid era. Since 2015. Since 2015. Like, it again. Was bigger in 2014, but, you know, that was kind of a given. Yeah. If you are a Mercedes fan, you are absolutely loving what you're seeing. If you're a Red Bull or Ferrari fan, you are dreading what you're seeing and what's and coming ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to be on this planet anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, try and re-ken for Albon. He would end up in fifth. He was in a pretty much race-long yeah. fight with Bastian Vettel. Um, yeah, good recovery drive at the end of the day. 13th to 5th. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good going. Uh, Vettel had a couple of unforced errors off-road a couple of times, but it was a solid 6th place for him in the end, which, again, yeah. was just about as good as he was. Well, once again, proving that he is the only strategist worth a damn in the red team. Vettel demanded some mediums. Mediums are what he got. Meanwhile, for his teammate... The softs died immediately, and he didn't even score points. Yeah, he couldn't get any heat into the soft tile whatsoever, and he was just stuck in the lower end of the midfield fighting with Lando Norris for the most part, which, hey, was actually quite entertaining on paper. Um, Seeing the uh, full-time streamers and part-time racing drivers go head-to-head again for the first time in some weeks. Um, but yeah, Vettel was sick. He he vetoed he vetoed the strategist's call, the saying you know the strategist wanted softs. Vettel got mediums, and then Vettel and went he got held in the pits. Yeah, he, he got held held. for traffic. Yeah, lost seven seconds in the pits as well. Just again, I think like Martin Brundle, I think was uber critical because any release during the time would have been could have been an unsafe release. It would have been very touch and go. Yeah, like. Like the one with signs and one of the Williams cars, Latifi, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah and that ended up ruining Latifi's race because he ended up getting a puncture out of that. Yeah, Latifi yeah, he ended up was like what, five laps down with floor damage. 
Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Latifi was running eighth when that incident happened. <laughs> yeah, you have to say the Williams this year, not too bad. It's not too bad at all. I mean, look, Russell and Latifi were the last cars classified, but we saw it in qualifying. They looked much better than they did this time last year, which is only good for that team. I think you want to know what I'm? I think a rotted out Chrysler LeBaron on track would be better. I love that Chrysler K platform. I want to talk about Lance Stroll because this was his best race as a Formula 1 driver in years. I think this might be the best race as a Formula 1 driver, period. He qualified third. He turned it in fourth. Best of the rest. Say what you will. Last year's Mercedes. But all we wanted out of Lance Stroll was to make a good account of himself in qualifying, regardless of his equipment, and for him to put together a complete race. And he did exactly that. He outqualified Perez. That's no mean feat. No, yeah. he was. He was, he, was the, so, he was on the end of an eighteen to three qualifying head to head against Sergio Perez last season. Yep, and well, he got one of those back. It, it was funny to watch. Um, comparing this year's racing point to Martin to the uh, racing point last year, you watch. The, uh, F1 released a side-by-side -side because they gained the most time compared to last year, I believe. And the first sector, like, okay, it's a little bit faster, and then you get to the second sector and it just starts ripping time out of last year's car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, terrifying, the terrifying thing was that Lance Stroll was in the only other car worth a damn not named Max this week, and he still finished 57 seconds behind Hamilton's winning car. Ah, man, I don't really care that much how far behind he finished. I turn in that result, that's got to be encouraging. Yeah, just no, to look. show the, the sheer pace advantage that Mercedes has. They were nine-tenths clear in qualifying. Yeah. Like and I said, Lon yeah, Stroll was 20 seconds ahead of Albon by the time it was all said and done on track. And the Red Bull, we know, is still probably the second-best car overall on paper. Um, so we think. Maybe. Probably we should say that all of these results are still under investigation <laughs> because Renault has lodged yet another protest like they did at Steiermark. Well, they, they, they have to file a protest because if they only file the original protest and their car is deemed illegal, only the Steiermark results would, would be accounted for. All the other results would be unaffected if they don't protest the, yeah. the car in those races. Yeah, if you actually, look, if you go back to last year, same deal with Renault themselves, when <laughs> Racing Point protested their illegal brake bias adjustment system. I told you there's a pettiness factor to it, and this also yeah. would affect Perez finishing 7th provisionally. Yep, uh, so petty, the name is Richard. <laughs> like Lee, Richard, Kyle, and Adam all together. Um, driver of the day candidate. How about Matt's how about Kevin Magnuson going from the pit lane, gambling on slicks, running up in the top ten all day, knife on the road. He and Romain Grosjean get time penalties for driver assist during the formation lap, but it's still enough for tenth and a point's a point for a team that desperately needed them. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of crazy. Nine teams already off the mark in terms of scoring. But, uh, yeah, to clarify the situation, um, 
Formula One clamped down quite hard on this in 2016, where they the driver instructions were no longer allowed, um, and it was Haas's decision to tell their drivers to go into the pit lane on the warm-up lap. Um, and as a result, that is a that is deemed as a driver assist. You're only allowed to intervene if it's a safety issue. Changing tires was not that. Um, it was a strategy call. So. Yeah, they had to take a 10-second time penalty. You may remember this from Nico Rosberg at the British Grand Prix that same year in 2016 where he was told to nurse the gearbox home, um, and he was given a 10-second penalty that day. He dropped him down from second to third. You know, Verstappen took another humble brag that day by beating the Mercs. But, uh, yeah, that's the well, reason that, why. Uh, then, of course, that set the precedent for the penalty, and the FIA had to relax it slightly because, well... If everyone's just going to save their cars and get a 10-second penalty, what's the point? <laughs> Precisely. So driver instructions for safety reasons became exempt afterwards because, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, this uh, like that, that rule penalty was clearly done so that people at home could stop complaining about these drivers not going 110% every single lap. Like it's the 90s all over no, again. Like, well, back like, in my day... Well... It came up during the time period when Rosberg was starting to become a real threat to lose Hamilton, and people yeah. complained hmm. that because one thing that Rosberg does a lot is acts, you know, acts about information the team is receiving from the car, and he used that to, to help manage the car. And they broadcast that information, and people hated it. They f felt like it was some form of cheating, and they complained about it enough, and the FIA actually changed the rules. And then George Springer couldn't get all those home runs without them banging a trash can. Nico Rosberg <laughs> can't drive to victories without him being told what to do every lap, every corner. Well, that, and oh, then it blew, up, it blew up in Lewis's face in Baku when it had his, an engine issue and the team wasn't allowed to tell him how to fix it. <laughs> yep. It's like, just, just, just do this bit. Sweet. Also, the, next, the next set list is a breaking ball. Um, anyway... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, very much so. Um, and that's why Haas had, a ten, had both their cars suffer a 10-second time penalty. But a phenomenal drive from Kevin Magnussen to keep that sucker in the points. Haas is probably 8th or ninth on the power rankings list as a team right now. That car has no business being in the points. And yet the worst Ferrari on pace. On pace alone and merit. Well done, K-Mag. I've, I've said it before on Twitter that K-Mag is the most underappreciated driver in the paddock. And uh, I, I, I'm cashing in my check where that's concerned. So, uh, yeah, brilliant drive from K-Mag. And well done, Haas, for taking the 10-second bullet and making the right call to, to come in to change tyres before the race had even started because it wasn't really intermediate conditions out there. At the um, end of the day, it was a net positive. Yeah, absolutely. It was well worth the 10-second penalty, which is exactly why this rule was nonsense in the first place. Quick yeah, run now. And, a full any other, and any other stumbling stories in between. As mentioned, Hamilton winning by 8.7 seconds over Max Verstappen at the first lap of the race as well, so he gets the bonus points. A 26 for LH um, in that one. Max Verstappen second. He finished 0.7 ahead of Valtteri Bottas, who ran out of laps trying to gun him down in the end. He would, he would finish in third. Lance Stroll's best career finish since Germany last year in fourth. Um, Alex Albon in fifth. Uh, Sebastian Vettel in P6. Sergio Perez in seventh. Dot, 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 maybe. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, eighth. Uh, Carlos Sainz, ninth. 
good drive given that the McLaren hype train may have come rolling into a uh, bit of a halt. Uh, yeah, uh, McLaren. Uh, I mean, last year the McLaren was a better efficiency car rather than a downforce car, and it showed that showed up again this race. Do you think they'll be fine in Silverstone? I would oh, hope yeah. so. I think that car should be a jewel around Silverstone, mm. but around higher downforce, twistier stuff, maybe not. Indeed, and um, yeah, still a solid drive from Carlos Sainz. Remember him, the other guy at McLaren? Yeah. Two-time um, driver of the year on Motorsport 101 for our avid podcast <laughs> listeners. Yeah, finally, fi- finally woke us. Hey, remember me? Yeah, the other guy, the guy that's not on Scenario 7 at the end. Also, <laughs> yeah. Zach, please don't send me away to the Red Menace. <laughs> Keep me, daddy. Um, yeah, nine for God. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, folks. Damn it. <laughs> Place you can find us one more time. Ten for Kevin Magnuson in the Haas car. Eleven for Charles Leclerc. A race that had no issues besides bad strategy, and he doesn't score a point. That's the state of Ferrari right now. Uh, yeah, was... yeah. Charles was never there this weekend, was he? No, completely anonymous, was out-qualified and then out-gunned in the race and put on a poor strategy. That's your lead driver. Humble brag. I'm not bitter at all, honestly. No, sir. Not, not whatsoever. I am, never gonna dunk. I, I am not going to dunk on Charles Leclerc for two races in a row. Never. Not a chance. Not in a million years. Anyway, uh, Daniel Kipiat in 12th, <laughs> Lando Norris in 13th, Esteban Ocon, very quiet weekend for him in 14th, Kimi Raikkonen in 15th, Grosjean 16th, Antonio Giovinazzi 17th, George Russell and Nicholas Satifi 18th and 19th. As mentioned, Nicholas Satifi was five laps down after spins, a puncher, floor damage, and God knows what else. Give our Canadian son another chance. I know we've got two of them now in the sports. But we like Nicholas Latifi on this show. He's a funny dude, uh, and he deserves better. No, no, so, I'm, uh, I'm, and- I'm not forgetting what he did to me on iRacing, Latifi. If you're out there watching, you brake check me at Daytona <laughs> in practice for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Look, should we talk about <laughs> personal beef? <laughs> should we talk about the uh, the quote that he gave after the race? Should we give yeah, the quote about, like, like when, uh, I think it was one reporter asked him, like, could you give us some comments in your own language? It's just like, my, my native language is English. <laughs> <laughs> He's not from Quebec. Like, that was Johnny Herbert that did that. God, God bless him, Johnny. Like, we all know he means well, but, like, in your native language, you, like, you, you thought it was in the French part of Canada, clearly. Uh, it's weird because he's born. It says he's born in Montreal, but I always thought he was from Ontario because apparently he was raised there. Yeah, and uh, and you know, he he picked six for a reason. Oh uh, yeah, because that's the nickname of Toronto. He would be Don Cherry's favorite F one driver over Stroll if we ever gave Don Cherry a platform again. <laughs> oh we never God. should. Oh, oh, so Drake's album. So he's from the six. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, of course. Um, yeah. And I love that after he gave that quote, he ended up walking into one of the cable wires immediately afterwards as well. Um, 
King, King, did you lay that line there? No, no, there's <laughs> no way for me to have traveled to Hungary, RJ. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. I don't know. You, you could have, you're quite small, King. They could have smuggled you in the hand luggage. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I got my, I got my handy uh, Yamaha music case. <laughs> no, no, we are not going through Carlos Gone Do Crime. And Pierre Gasly was the only retirement 15 laps in, officially a Gearbots failure. That's the Hungarian Grand Prix. I give this race a solid five humanitarian violations out of 10. I I'll give it a solid 4.4 hashtag blessed out of 10. Yeah, it was it was about a five for me. Um, it was a pretty run of the mill Grand Prix. Unfortunately, the rain really wasn't a factor in the end because it was pretty much dry by the time we got going. It didn't really have a major factor in the race. And at the front, it was uh, a Hamilton runaway train. And oh my god, I've just seen my Twitter timeline, and King just put me in a quote on Twitter: "You bastard!" Hash. <laughs> <laughs> You put keep tactic as a quote. <laughs> you well, <laughs> could be worse. He could he could out your taste in steak again. No, no. Let's oh. let's not. Let's not. Yeah. Let's uh, let's pull it back a bit because we got some we got some more serious stuff to talk about. How yeah, F one bundled bundled this whole thing. How people spoke up that maybe shouldn't have had a right to. Don't have the qualifications to speak up about it. Yeah, like, you know it's not a good sign when, like, Ted Kravitz, the most placid head-in-the-clouds F1 pundit on Earth, called it a, quote, total shambles on his notebook, um, which you can now watch on YouTube. Um, but, um, but, yeah, it was... It was a mess. They, they had to scramble together at the last minute before the National Anthem to try and get this end racism, like, presentation, socially distanced podium thingy-majig in, in the pit lane ready to go there, were, there was drivers scrambling to get there in the end I think a couple of the guys had even forgotten the t-shirt I, I, I think it was I think it might have been Geo by accident don't quote me on that but he'd forgotten the t-shirt but of course he had to get there because there were seconds away from playing the national anthem and no one in, in F1 has got the is, is gonna is gonna impede the national anthem that's been quite clear they, they, they've organized from the start it was going to be before the anthem starts playing, and um, and the anthem started playing, so everybody has to stand up to try and respect that anthem, and the whole thing just came off like a goddamn mess. Yeah. Um, it wasn't organised. It, it was it was completely conflicted, and Lewis went off after the race talking about this. Um, he threw Grosjean under the bus publicly, which I thought was hilarious, where he basically said that. Oh, Grosjean said, "Oh, we did it once. I thought that was going to be. I thought that. Would, I thought that would do it." <laughs> I'm just. Yeah, and like, what? What? It's to say that it was poorly organized makes it seem like they tried to organize this. The fact that we're racing it all, that we've set up this this bio bubble in various cities across Europe to have Formula One races. Yet, somehow, you can't organize a simple protest. I find that very hard to believe. This was minimal to no effort organization. 
No, zero. Like the fact that the, the, the fact that drivers couldn't even all wear a t-shirt. I mean, come on. Like the organization no, level. No, it, about- it felt like the drivers thought they had more time, and they they didn't. Yeah, yeah. And clearly, there was a lack of communication between Formula One and everyone else in terms of how much time they had until the anthem was going to start playing. Also, matter of seconds. Also, why couldn't they just wait? Why, why, why did they have to play the anthem that precise time? We go back to the week before, where where the drivers kneel to get for the second time, and they cut away on the world feed for pretty skydivers. <laughs> this is the third time round F1. The third time. It, it feels like the it feels like they're purposely trying to make this go away. Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's like get back in the box. Um yeah, that's that's what it feels like right now. It's like now it's like now they've let the box open. Now it's like now they're trying to they're trying to cram it all back in and this was a mess. Like I said, like Hamilton spoke out to Sky Sports after the race. He was not happy at all about the situation. He said that Formula One was not doing enough of its platform to promote this, and that it was a disorganized mess. He called out Gro- he called out Grosjean publicly, who let's not forget is one further the drivers' heads of the driver association, um, and said that we, according to Grosjean, one knee was enough apparently, and. Uh, it reminded me of that David Getter meme where it was like, "Hey, he just ended racism with, with, with this with this like beat drop uh, all over again," and it's, it, it was a colossal mess. And he actually praised Sebastian Vettel on the other end for saying that I spoke to Vettel on WhatsApp, and he stressed the importance of of continuing to not you know, continuing yeah. to kneel, not letting this message die out, um, you know, and trying to reinforce what what the drivers or what he and at least he and, and Lewis in particular want to get out of this situation and I think King's got it on the nose I think they were just trying to squash another protest and again like there was no communication there was no organization whatsoever and again there is no excuse from Formula One to be this disorganized and to, to be this messy We've seen numerous other sports be able to get this right. We've seen it in baseball. Baseball yeah. came back a couple of days ago. And yeah, during saw... during the return for baseball, the first game played in Washington mm. D.C., our nation's capital. the the entire The entire rosters of both the New York Yankees and the Washington Nationals, uh, the Nationals, the defending World Series champions, who went to the White House, uh, kneeled in protest before the start of the game. Right. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Get well soon, Juan Soto, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, um, as an active case, of course. But uh, yeah, like, and that was pretty much across the board for pretty much all the uh, the opening day games in baseball. The baseball themselves, Proteo, putting Black Lives Matter as a part of their as a part of their advertising for these games that are on the base pad, for example. Many stadiums yeah. had it in the stands as part of their mock up with you know, fans, fan fit faces and crowds and whatnot. Um, again, cricket, like they were all on the same page. The final test between the West Indies and England is going on as we speak. We just had stumps on day two at time of recording. On day one before the first ball was played, every every member of the West Indies team lined up in the slips position, took a knee, raised the fist, and England joined them uh, mm. amongst that. Every Every player and coach 
um, were unison in this. So as far as I'm concerned, there's no excuse from Formula One and <laughs> you're never going to get the drivers on the same page. I think that's been long established and long clear. I've yeah. said it time and time again. They don't want to piss off their racist fans. You could, like, you could at very fucking minimum, you know, the drivers who are on the same page at least make it possible for them to do right. that. Where is John Tott in all this? Is the question that Lewis <laughs> oh, no. answered. Well, John Tott gave some very, very awful quotes to the press about oh. this whole thing. I could not believe that he had actually said that about his own wife for crying out loud. Yeah, and forgive me for quoting directly off John. He and I, I, I say this because the impact needs to be said that he he referred to his own wife as yellow, and I just. Yeah, he I, gave a I, quote initially that's that was apparently close to him saying "all lives matter." Oh, he, he did. He did, he did actually say that. Yeah, he, actually, he more this, or less said it. And look, this, it, it, I, I, I openly say, if, if you don't understand why saying "all lives matter" is problematic in response to this, get your head out of your ass. Where have you been for the last six weeks? Um, as far as I'm concerned on this one. Burying um, your dumbass head in your dumbass sand. <laughs> because it is ridiculous, and this is the president of the FIA coming out and basically squashing what everything... Like, he described what Hamilton was talking about as a sensitive issue, and I'm just like, oh, shit! <laughs> like, <laughs> like... Oh, yeah, it is sensitive, and it is meant to be discussed in a way that, like, yeah, it's going to make people uncomfortable. By nature, because they have to confront this. Yeah. And what, and when you say things like all lives matter, it completely squashes that attempt to have these open dialogues and discussions and to talk about the fact that black people don't get treated fairly in, in, a, in a lot of Western countries. And it's... it's completely disappointing but unfortunately really not surprising that that that, that old man john is out here saying it because this was a bad week for old man takes on motorsport yeah. and going through because jackie stewart denied that there was a diverse no, 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 denied that one has a diversity and was problem then, uh, i will say it was then called out by one Mr. Willie T. Ribs. Yeah, this was not a good week for sir jack <laughs> it's not a good week no. for mario andretti yeah, Willie T. Rips basically saying that of all his time in motorsport, no one was more racist towards him than Jackie Stewart. Oh, oh boy. Um, yeah, that's like that's not throwing your toys out of the pram. That's throwing the entire pram down the hill. Um, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. as strong an accusation as you could possibly get, as mentioned. Like Mario Andretti, you know, was also yeah. asked about this, and he said, "Quote: The problem doesn't exist." And he described Louis Hamilton. He, he described yeah. Hamilton as militant. Well, what the fuck does that mean, Mario? Um, like, like, and uh, look, we really shouldn't be asking white men that have no clue what Hamilton's had to go through or any, uh, about about racism because they 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 are not going to understand. Yeah. However. But what I have yeah. a deep problem with here is that the fact that you're denying Hamilton's experience of racism right. in this sport. You're not yeah. even prepared to listen to what he has to say and acknowledge that, hey, it's not about me. It's about what he's had to go through. 
I stopped racing in motorsport 40, 50 years ago. Maybe I should listen to the man that's the biggest name in motorsport right now. Listen to him and see what we can do to make the experience yeah. better for him well, and for everyone that's coming up. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I get the feeling like, uh, like you mentioned about F1, you know, trying to sweep, sweep all this under the rug. You just know that they're asking some of those people who you know what their take is going to be exactly to get that take. Yeah, they they know what they're doing. Of course, Mario Andretti is not going to talk about racial experiences in motorsport. He, was, he, he wasn't a part of it. Like, Yeah, his whole experience with discrimination as a United States immigrant, way different than yeah. the experience that Willie T. Ribs, Wendell Scott... Bubba Wallace about to go through. It's it's a much different experience. Yeah, and it, like it, it comes off as really tone deaf because, like, you know, at mm. the early part of his career when Mario Andretti was at the peak of his powers, and you know, Jackie Stewart is also racing. We had here in the U.S. the the Olympic Project for Human Rights, where black athletes were going to boycott going to the Olympic Games in 1968 in right. Mexico City, and then eventually they decided, hey. We're going to participate in these games, but did we're Mario, going to protest. Like, did Mario, like, I know it's a different experience, but hey, did could Mario can empathize. Did he forget when he won the Daytona 500 and all the newspapers saying that this was the darkest day for America because an Italian immigrant won the biggest race in NASCAR? If, if anything, you know, it is a different experience, but you'd think it give him, it would give him a little bit of perspective himself, like, Hey, yeah, like have I some was, fucking empathy, no, man. So I was discriminated against, but it's different. So and it was different, but you know, look at you, you look at your own experience and think, wow, they have it, they have it even worse. Right. But, instead, he just buries his head in the sand. The, yeah, go on, King. What go what ahead. Mario said afterwards, where where he said, like, you know, obviously he said he faced discrimination too, but. He, you know, drove well. Basically, he said he drove well, won races, and now he he earned everyone's respect. I, and Lewis has done the same thing in Formula One. There's no reason for him to throw it away, and it kind of ignores why Lewis is protesting. Yeah, like you're you, you, winning respect to be treated as a fellow human being. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And, and describes Hamilton as militant for doing so. It's a quote. It's a problem that doesn't exist. There's so a you, big fucking difference between respect as a racing driver and respect as a fellow fucking human being. Right. It's just. It's just. It's the 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 bar is buried in the earth's mantle, and still some of these dudes find a way to trip over it. I just. Oh Lord of Lord of mercy. It's it, yeah. like uh, it's 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 it 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 shows us how far we still have to go. And I know Mario is is, is a is a man that is basically royalty in American motorsport and I was so yeah. disappointed to read those comments. So yeah. disappointed. As as RJ alluded to, as an Italian immigrant, you'd think he'd have at least some level of empathy for what right. Lewis has done because his experience was compromised because of his heritage and background as well. 
And no, he went completely the other way and completely dismissed Hamilton's experience, right. even though this is a man that's been racially abused in his time in motorsport for 25 years. Ms. Carton, he talks about being racially abused on track from parents and other people he was racing against all the way through the system. I mean, it goes way beyond Spain 2008. There is a, there is, it is elements of his entire career that play up why he's protesting. And at this point, if you're dismissing that, you're being ignorant for good reason. And uh, it's very, very disappointing. I, I love how um, I love how Sasha just put it in the YouTube chat. Mario's basically saying, I shut up and drove. <laughs> it worked for you, but it doesn't work for everyone. Once you're done with this podcast, go listen to Willie T. Ribs on Beyond the Grid. In fact, go watch Please. Uppity. Yeah, yeah which is on Netflix. Because the thing Netflix. is that, like, perspective. the thing is that Mario might conflate him doing well to people accepting him, but the, it's a fact that, you know, racism against Italian Americans isn't what it used to be. Yeah, like, it's much different now than it was back then. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And you would think, like I said, you would think that given his experience, he would at least have the empathy to listen yeah. to what Lewis has had to go through. But again, I just it makes it doubly disappointing. Like, given what given what Willie T. Rims had to say about Jackie Stewart, his take no longer surprises me because clearly he was he had his head up his ass as far as I'm concerned regarding these comments. Yeah. But well and looking Matt, back, you know, Jackie Stewart, how many years has he been dismissive of Lewis Hamilton's accomplishments in racing? Well, we might have a little perspective as to why. <laughs> he was always on the negative end of comments about Lewis Hamilton. He was never. He always had issues with his lifestyle. He always had issues with the way he conducted himself on and off the track. Which, as I've come to learn in my time as being a pseudo motorsport journalist, is a really long way of saying black. Um, oh, and and uh, the fact that he's the fact that he's come out and again been dismissive of Hamilton's comments and. Now with really T. Ribs accusations, you can now kind of see where Stewart's head was amongst some of these comments, which again is just extremely disappointing. But hey, we'll keep you posted on anything else that goes down. Of course, this is going to be an ongoing discussion and topic on this program, um, as far as we're concerned going forward. And uh, yeah. Now let's talk about the calendar. Yes, we have three more races announced um, in the month of October slash early November, because I think the third one just drifts. I think it's November 1st, the, the day of the race itself. But uh, a triple header in the month of October will include... We're going back to the Nürburgring! Yeah! The Grand Prix Strecker is back, baby! Yeah. Love it, First love it. Since 2013. Love it, love it. I love the Nürburgring GP circuit. I always have. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of my favorites on the calendar. It's such a fun track to race around, so fast and free-flowing. Actual overtaking opportunities. Who would have thought it? Um, you, you, can, you, can have just, you can just have two DRS zones on the the chicane in the first corner, and you can call it a day, everybody. <laughs> yeah. We don't even need pesky free RS. Um, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I think we run the 24-hour layout and the whole Dottinger Hall is a DRS zone. Ooh. 
No, we're done there. I've got a strong affinity for the Nürburgring Grand Prix circuit because that was the demo track on Formula One on the PS1, which was yeah. my first experience with a 3D Formula One game and yeah. one of my first experiences on an original PlayStation. What's the yeah. new circuit that's coming next? Portamau. We're going to Portamau for the first time. Finally. Woo. Yep. Finally. Good Goodbye, Whoa. Estoril. Hello, Portamau. Oh, it's I've wanted this on the calendar for so long. It's the first Grand Prix in Portugal in 24 years, I believe. Um, yeah. Since the last race in Estoril back in uh, 1996. Um, so, yeah, we're going to Portimao. Last seen probably most likely for GP2 in 2009. Yeah. And if you're a World Superbikes fan, you've probably seen a lot of that action going down around <laughs> there. And let's not forget on this show, it was also the birthplace of what's become the biggest running gag of World Superbikes, the Mahias Rule. It's the track. Um, no, <laughs> but, not the Mahias Rule. Anything but the Mahias Rule. If I ever have to explain that again, I will tear my own face off. Um, no Nicolas Cage. But uh, I love Portimao as a racing circuit. Undulation out the ass. Technical corners, fast and slow. Again, a couple of decent left straights for overtaking opportunities. It's going to be a fine technical challenge. I was so I was surprised to see so many people come out with like the contrarian, like, this track's going to suck worse than Imola. Take on this. Oh, no, the front, right. if they don't run the turn one chicane, I think they'll be just fine. Now that you've said that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they better the run way, the turn one it into existence. Uh, to point out, last, uh, last Portuguese Grand Prix in Estoril was a Williams Renault 1-2. In case you need to know how far back 1996 was when the team out of Northamptonshire was running foil gold cars. Oh. Called Jordans instead of racing points. Ah, yes, the glorious Jordan Peugeot. And Max Verstappen's dad was in this race. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, we don't speak of him. Um, also, I love that Rezzy in the chat goes, Do explain the Mahias rule. It's off. That's yeah. <laughs> what I say in response to that. Um, but like, I, I love Portimao. Great track. Looking forward to it. Should be a fly. I Honestly, I do think on paper this is better than the other track that's been added mm -hmm. as the part of the triple header. We kind of alluded to this, given it just got its FIA Grade 1 status back a couple of months ago. We're going back to Imola, ladies and gentlemen, on November 1st. But, uh, yeah, also should be pointed out, two-day weekend. Two days, not three. I love it. I love it. I want a two-day weekend. That's I what we should have been doing in the first place when we yes. started racing in. Condense it all down in two weekends. Have more, no more than two practices the day before. You run same-day qualifying the morning of the race, and then you have to race. We're talking about I, practice. I, I am all for one practice session. Do the one 90-minute practice session on Friday morning and you can, or Saturday morning and you can do the qualifying where it normally is in the 2 p.m. slot UK time. Oh. Um, Fuck um, it. Do it like NASCAR. No practice, no qualifying. Random <laughs> draw. <laughs> Random no item tops only final destination, yeah? <laughs> like, yeah. But uh, no. Like, Can I bring I a modded GameCube controller? Wombo Cabo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, we're bringing back all the hits. 
Moving my all the hits here. Jesus Christ, brawl taunts everybody. I'm oh, going back to like 2009 here, but uh, yeah, like it's a two-day weekend at Imola, and I love it. I love the fact it's a two-day weekend. These race weekends are inherently more boring when these guys get literally three and a half hours of practice running before we actually turn the wheel for a session that counts for something, um, unless. The, the rain pisses down somewhere and we have to go off a practice session for times instead. But uh, I am all for like a 90-minute Saturday morning practice mm -hmm. qualifying the 2pm slot and then get the race on Sunday as per normal. Maybe you throw in a half an hour warm-up session on Sunday morning as a compromise. But like, even that, I've, I, even then, I am all for a two-day weekend. By the way, Imola-wise, we're running the Varianti Alter version, so no final chicane. I did get clarification on this, yeah. thanks to Henry and, and uh, Tom97, YouTube friend of, of, our, of ours as well, that clarified. Mm -hmm. The last chicane is only for bikes now. They only yeah. run for the World Superbike rounds they have down there and the Italian National Championship. Formula One and other, other open wheels are going to run the entire back straight all the yeah. way down to, to, to the Tamarello. <clears throat> Yeah. So Which, that's going to be a hellacious, uh, massive DRS zone. It is. It is. It makes the track flow better. The track named after uh, Enzo and Dino Ferrari. And oh boy! Is the Ferrari really weak this year? Oh, it's not. It's not super weak in the corners. It's super weak in a straight line, isn't it? Oh boy! Oh. And they may not even be that good in the wet. Oh, oh no, they're trash in the wet. Oh. They were undrivable in, in in steering qualifying. Like Vettel was in temp and spun in Q3. Um, I, I still remember seeing like somebody did a side by side shot last week on Twitter of Charles Leclerc's pole position lap from the 2019 Austrian Grand Prix and his fastest lap in Q3 in 2020. The car's ten miles an hour slower on the straights. Ten, ten miles an hour. Yeah. I, I, in I fact. We should get to the uh, the news that, well, the weakness of this year's Ferrari has prompted a response from Ferrari management. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. They restructured the whole technical department. Rory Burns back in a meaningful role. He's not just being, like, given an honorary desk job. No, he's going to be directly involved in the car again for the first time in eight years. We don't talk about the F14T. Oh, no. Actually, um, he was involved in the SF-78, the 2017 car, which is oh. pretty good. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah. you know, Rory Byrne of the great the great era of Schumacher, Todd, Braun, Byrne. Yeah. And they brought Resta back. Uh, you see Simone Resta, who was shipped out of the team to Alfa Romeo in July 2018. Finally. It's been a pile of junk ever since. Well, he's back on the chassis side of things. And... How much time do they have to turn this car around? This car's a dead... This, this car's a lost cause. This car's a lost cause. This really has to be a move for 2022, for the new regulations. It has yeah. to be. You'd think. Um, like, if you're Ferrari in your current situation, you're not going to salvage this year's car. The best you can really do is get build the best engine you can when you're allowed to upgrade it at the end of this season and then the end of next season. 
and build the best 2022 car you can and see what happens. Oh boy. Yeah, not ideal at all. Um, also, there is a breaking news story I want to address real quick that's come from the BBC. This does have an effect on MotoGP, we'll get to in a minute. Travelers returning to England from Spain will have to quarantine for 14 days from Sunday morning. Mm. So anybody based in England that's out there in, shall we say, Haref, or maybe next week, given the World Superbikes race at Haref, their, their restarted season or continuing season um, that continues next week at Haref is also going to be mad problematic um but so, it, yeah i i have a feeling they use the term tourist specifically for a reason because people who enter the country for business purposes might be exempt they're saying they say the, the headline said travelers it's a breaking news story I'll, if anything more comes up in the course of this recording i'll keep the page refreshed just in case the UK generally has given elite athletes a pass on this exempt or an exemption on this but as as Simon Patterson quickly points out on Twitter, who, who writes for the Redacted, there obviously isn't 14 days between Sunday night and Monday morning and the next Wednesday when everyone needs to leave for Bruno. So what now for the Brits in the paddock and will other countries follow suit? Yeah, and it says uh, that England's been, I mean, Spain's been added to England's quarantine list. So that means the existing list of countries. So I assume the same exemptions apply to Spain like all the other countries on that list. Yeah, so keep, we'll keep an eye on that one if there's any exemptions mentioned because this is the UK. There's bound to be exemptions. Um, <laughs> um, we're almost almost certain um, because we Brits can't put together a law to save our fucking lives. Um, also, quick extra note on the state of the calendar right now as well. There will be no races in North America this year. Canada. Well, you know, now, in the Americas period. Yeah. Yeah, in the Americas period. I was I was trying to narrow it down, but yeah, there'll be no racing in the Americas on the F1 calendar. As far as the US side of it goes, well, that was kind of just waiting for the other shoe to drop because uh, we did not handle this well. Ditto, ditto in Brazil, where the guy running the country has had it multiple times, and he just keeps getting it, and the things he had <laughs> to say about people who wear masks, I will not repeat. Yeah, uh, not yeah. very kind statements to say the least. So yeah, that pretty much means Canada, the United States, Mexico, and Brazil are all off the table. Expect a cancellation for... Well, we already had the cancellation for the circuit in the Americas in MotoGP last week. There'll probably be another one for Argentina, which was another potential reserve round they could have added on later on. They got to make a hard decision on this by next week. This time next week, actually, July 31st. Um, expect a cancellation for Argentina as well in the coming days because, uh, yeah, if F1's not racing in the Americas, you can forget about MotoGP doing that, whose paddock is even more spaced out and problematic. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so no races in the Americas in Formula 1 this year. It's looking more and more like after we're done with Europe, we're probably going to go to the Gulf. There's a lot of rumors they, there might still be a race in Malaysia. Um, at Sepang potentially coming back on the calendar for Sepang a while. back, baby, please. Might be Sepang back. They might have the Vietnam Grand Prix after all because they were one of like the handful of places that actually handled this well. Don't know if they want to drag everybody else's bullshit <laughs> into their own place. Right. Uh, no, they can they can run that race on one condition: they blow up that track and build it. <laughs> yeah, all over. 
<laughs> new track, please. Yeah, Not that one's funny. I, I watched King drive on that track. Oh, it was offended at the sight of some of those. It players. looks evil. It, it is truly an awful circuit. I, 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 I don't normally denounce a new track before I, before it's even run. It's a pile of dog shit. It, it really is. It makes you combine the worst of Monaco with the worst of Sachi, and somehow the baby that came out mutated to grow parts of Baku as well. <laughs> Which you know what this means. We talk all this shit now, and if we have the race this year, it's going to be a banger. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> nothing makes sense in 2020. Nothing. Nothing. Vietnam handled this quite well. Just cancel it and move it to Thailand. We'll race it in the Chang circuit instead. I joke, it's looking like it's going to be you. We might get a race in Sepang, that's been heavily rumoured. Um, but it's looking like two races in Bahrain and then Abu Dhabi to finish. Rumour has it the week of Christmas. December 20th is when this season might end. Yeah. Which, uh, oh boy. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't you got, me dirty, you got me dirty air for Christmas. Thank you. <sighs> This is gonna, this is gonna hit different than when the NBA plays on Christmas, man. And look, their own restart right now. Well, look, like dudes have already like there's already been pieces come out about how burned out team personnel are gonna be. Yeah. Already, I'll well, this was already a problem. This was a problem before COVID went global. Yeah. Um, We've it's, talked it's about it good. at length on this show. Indeed. Uh, should I talk about some of the junior races real quick? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dre, talk about your new mans. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I can't take full credit for my mans on this one because I have to defer to Ryan King on this one, who, even on this very podcast, was talking about how good this man was going to be a year ago. And, uh,. This was the coming out party for one Robert Schwartzman. Um, my God, um, he was on the inverse strategy in the in the uh, feature race in Formula Two in Hungary, mm -hmm. no. and he had so he had to start on the harder compound tire, switched to the softer compound tire later on in the race. Now we, I love that he lucked into the, into what would end up being the winning strategy, but. He absolutely decimated the field. Like I'd argue the most impressive part of this performance was not him being four or five seconds a lap quicker on the soft compound tire. It was the fact that his his older hard tires who were a lot older than the guys had already come in and switched. He was matching their pace on much older tires yeah. for laps at a time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Unbelievable. The tires were very weird this yeah, weekend. Where yeah, the, the hard tires just really didn't like. You'd see them actually chunking and shedding rubber, but they wouldn't lose that much pace. It's like the tires hit the cliff so damn soon in some of these races. Yeah, and, and then, yeah, in the soft tires, yeah, the soft tires were like the 2013 Pirellis. Yeah, for, for people who didn't watch the race in in the in the feature race, there was a very early safety car, and a lot of people took the opportunity to take their mandated tire change. They they started on the softs. They knew they were going to have to pit sooner or later, so they're like, "Hey, we're we're five laps into this. Let's just pit now. Go to the hards and run the rest of the way." Yeah. 
But I think we have back-to-back safety cards, too, because I know the Trident boys, Nissany and Sato, they hit each other. We go back to racing. Giotto shot blocks one guard. (laughs) One guard rejoins the track in front of Armstrong, who then bounces off of Markolov, who then goes nose-first in the tire barriers. And then, and only then, do we have a race that settles in? It looks like Mick Schubacher is about to pick up that first win until Schwartzman runs him down on the alternate strategy and yeah, picks well, up the I, second feature win of the season. I think everyone on the alternate strategy was apocalyptically fast to end the race. I think Mazepin was on the same strategy as, um, as Schwartzman. He cut yeah. through the field. He ended up second. How you know, about that? Schwartzman got up to second on the fresh tires. I'm like, okay, Mick has a decent gap. Can he can he turn up the pace and hold him back? And it, it was a wrap. It was a, <laughs> no, a second no. and some change. It was a second and some change. A sector that Schwartzman <laughs> was taking out of him. It was ridiculous. And Mazepin was the same way. Mazepin deserves some love because he had a tough year last year. This was his best race in Formula 2 so far. Yeah, great drive from him as well in the background. I just I just can't get over it. Everybody immediately crapped themselves. Like when Schwartzman went into pits, comes out and immediately locks up his new softs like, in, into the first braking zone at turn one on, on, on the pit exit. And I'm like, no! didn't we Didn't we watch this race and we were just yeah. like going back and forth seeing which Prima driver was on the shittier strategy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they leave Mick Schwartzman, Mick Schumacher, out in the soft tires this long? Why would they leave Schwartzman on the medium tires so long? <laughs> yeah, because I thought they were going to do the same strategy with Mick, and he had a kind of weird middle of the road strategy, which did work out for him, but obviously not as well as Schwartzman's. Hmm. <laughs> it was a great uh, drive from uh, Schwartzman. It, it was. It was a rarely seen. Ultra beat him down from Robert Schwartz. He will go on to win that race, I think, like 18 seconds. <laughs> Which is just laughable when you consider he was on the alternate strategy. It was 15.6, but that's still an impressive He was like six or seven seconds behind when he got into second place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he turned the AI down to fucking 40. Like, it, it was. It it, it 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 was colossal. It was it was an unholy clobbering, as one John Boys would say. Um, I, like I said on Twitter, I've seen all I need to see. Get this man an F one seat immediately. No, <laughs> put him in a, out a Ferrari powered car this year. No, no he, Mick has the right idea. Mick has the right idea with the Ferrari Junior Academy is to be good. You know, prove that you've got something. But be consistently outshined by one of them every weekend. That way, you don't get picked to go in the meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Let, 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 let Robert take one for the team first. Like... <laughs> Diabolical. I love it. <laughs> There's that ruthless uh, Schumacher gene. Yeah, yeah. He serves. I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna go for this toilet and never piss. Robert, you take the seat. <laughs> Honestly, you'll be fine. Crush it, Alfa Romeo. It'll be great. Uh, what's the worst that could possibly happen? Um, talking about the sprint real quick as well. This even the sprint race was crazy. Like we had oh, okay. 
the race where you're not supposed to pit, but the tire drop-off was so bad that people pitted anyways. Callum yeah. Island was four-tenths away from winning on a one-stopper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we almost had another Leclerc moment right there. There's the, the pit-stop sprint race win. The, the ultimate win on in, in the Formula 2 calendar. We love those here. I think Leclerc and Luca Giotta are in that two-man club at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, and Giotto, fair credit to him. It had been a tough season. It had been a tough time in Austria those last two weekends. Mm. But he got the fourth in the feature. He got the win in the sprint race. It's looking like, hey, maybe coming back for another year wasn't so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Year 17 of Luca Giotto. Look at him go. Is he friends with LeBron James? <laughs> yeah, um, like I said, Giotto just clinging on by the length of a cigarette paper and one front straight over Callum Eilock, Um where if that race was one corner longer, he would have lost. Oh um, my god, the, 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 the chase down on the final lap, where Eilat's tires are destroyed. Eilat <laughs> um, uh, had, had worn himself to the bone and he was still like a second a corner faster than Giotto. And yeah, Giotto, Giotto locked up, locked up, had a square tire halfway around the lap. Or no, in the first in turn one. It was, it was turn, turn one. one on the final lap. He locked his tire and that really started the drop off. There was what? some mad Euro B playing with those two cars because they <laughs> had nothing left to give. It's it every like race fight. game you've it's every racing game you've ever played where you're gunning down a guy you know who's faster and you just run out of road. That's what it was. It was just like... Yeah, that was, uh, it was Naruto and Sasuke at the end of their fight and they're yeah. just bleeding out throwing haymakers. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what it was. I, I lot just barely loses out. MSC, uh, Mick Schumacher on the podium in third to get back-to-back -back podium finishes. A great weekend for Luca Giotto on that one. Um, he'll take he'll, he'll take a pair of thirds for Mick as well. Formula Three, yeah. we might be we might be witnessing another star being born here, folks. Yeah, um, King called King with another solid <laughs> view into the future. <laughs> the, potato, the potato man cometh. Yes. <laughs> oh man, Theo Theo Pocher, Pomitzer, gotta win. Though it there were some. Outside circumstances that helped him get there to this one. Shenanigans. Right. Um, Alexander Smoliar uh, was a surprise pole winner in qualifying. His race lasts all of a lap before he's tagged by Logan Sargent, who goes on to finish sixth. And that pretty much opens the door for Porsche to dominate. Because he did get a bit fortuitous when he won race two in Styria last time out. No. But this... Much more comprehensive. Right. And uh, that was part of a weekend that propelled Porsche to third in the standings after going scoreless the first weekend. Though, uh, there are some other incidents in the race, including one involving one Liam Lawson. Oh, <laughs> boy. Folks, when Red Bull sponsored... <laughs> well, this Red Bull-sponsored international F3 car hits 88 miles per hour and suffers a catastrophic mechachrome engine failure, you're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> that looked like a fucking crankshaft failure. I haven't seen an engine failure like that. Actually, no, that's a lie, because I saw the number 7 Acura blow up at Daytona. <laughs> Your boys! A couple big boys in the last yeah. month or so. 
Do you remember that episode of Top Gear when the the gang buys a set of ten thousand pound Ferraris or like Italian supercars that were terrible, and then Clarkson's Maserati explodes on the side of a motorway? That's what this was. No, no, I'm thinking more like when on one of Clarkson's own shows he melted down a Nissan Sunny with a jet turbine. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was this. <laughs> that, was season, that was, I think, the very first season of Top Gear's reboot. Wow. Yeah. Deep, deep into our part references this week, but that thing was on fire. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah. We're glad that Lawson's okay after that. That caused yeah. a long red flag that broke up the race, but he's okay. Tough weekend for Lawson, though. He and Frederick Vesti had double DNFs this weekend. Mm. But I don't think... No longer the Vesti. But, King, I don't know if anybody had a tougher time out than the following day than Dutchman Bent Fiscal. Oh, man. To be fair, Fiscal did it to himself. Uh, (laughs) To a degree, but you also had a bit of rotten luck that really compounded this penalty. But carry on, King. Uh, So, Bent Fiscal, he was... he, He had everything locked in. He He was... With the speed he had, he was going to win the second F2 race, though he was in a collision early on in the race. And it was under investigation for a while. Pretty much everyone, including Alex Shakes and commentary booth, pretty much said he's going to get a penalty for this. He eventually did. He got a five-second penalty. Uh, Realizing what he had to do to get get the win, he starts pushing hard. He starts pushing hard. He starts doing moves to try to get around cars as quickly as possible. Uh, Including maybe taking a bit of advantage of some runoff area to, to get around a car. And next thing you know, he's bent the scales under investigation again. Uh, yeah, uh, this uh, this track extension. Well, you would be straight up disqualified if you did that on F1 2015. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, two five-second penalties, which made a ten-second time penalty. There was there was rumblings he might have been able to beat the five-second penalty, but he wasn't fast enough to head to the field. And then to make it even worse for this scow, late race safety car bunches the field up. Yeah, literally uh, on the second to last lap, uh, safety car incident happens. Yeah. Uh, Viscal is swearing over the radio because he was looking for like a solid points finish despite despite the penalty. But dude, he was the first car on the road, and he ends up classified seventeenth. So initially, under the safety car. Yeah, yeah. Initially, uh, the my immediate thought to do like for what Viscal should do to try to mitigate the penalty was like when when the safety car pulls away for the for the restart to the line. For everyone to you know roll across the finish line, just just wait there, back everyone up, then go, and then yeah. and that's what he did. And then when he did he that, no, no, when I did that, when when he did that, I realized what was wrong with that. Uh, if everyone's going, if he if he waits and goes, everyone's going at a higher speed. That means everyone's crossing the line more quickly. He should have yeah. he should have held everyone up to the line and crossed the finish line as slowly as possible. Right, right, because the, if the cars are traveling slower, it's going to take them more time to cross the start finish line. If you're going over it at full racing speed, you're all going to be really bunched up. It's the concertina effect. Yeah, basically. like, Viscal was almost the last car on the lead lap Go because ahead. of it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, as a result of his games, he ended up <laughs> making his penalties so much worse. It, took, it was going to be solid points. He ended up 17th. Poor fella. Uh, How about dude. David Beckman, though? Beckman. Beckman. <laughs> he had a terrible 2019, comes back last minute, picks up the win. He was good at this level in 2018. So it's good to see him back on form. And I'm, and while we're, because uh, I want to run down like the points briefly in F2 and F3, but another solid day for, for Oscar Piastri. So here's the top five in F2 Schwartzman on 81 leads, Islet second on 63, Christian Lundgaard, despite a bagel, 43 points, Mick Schumacher, 39 points, and a very uh, cranky Dan Tictum, still fifth in the points on 38. What am I supposed no grip, to do? I have no grip. grip. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my hands. <laughs> How about you shut up? Oscar Piastri. He's one person who I will say, shut up and drive. Yeah, yeah. please, man. It's, it's better for everybody. Gastry, 76 points. Sargent on 50. Porcher jumping six spots. The third on 48 points. David Beckman, 47 and a half. Richard Fershore, Fershore, 45 points to round out the top five there. Support races, as usual, being more entertaining, more compelling than the main event itself. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a shocker, really. Never I happened. Mean, never happened. Yeah, that'll just about do it for 250 episodes of Motorsport 101, which is just absolutely bloody ridiculous, to say the least. Um, special thanks to everyone that's, that's stuck around and what and they're still watching right now. Um, once again, we kept it to traditional Motorsport 101 length of an hour, in, 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 in which case it's two. Um my bad. Uh, it wouldn't be a motorsport one. I want to have us grinding over on time because that's what we do here. That's uh, uh, fine. It's it's been good. The vibes have been good. Uh, thank you all for watching. Please uh, please feel free to watch, subscribe, youtube.com forward slash motorsport one hundred one. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow the podcast. Follow all of us on social media. Uh, websites motorsport one hundred one dot com. Indeed. Um, just want to say special thanks to everyone that's been watching. Special thanks to everyone that's been listening for allowing us into your homes and uh, just be four pokey motorsport fans from all walks of life that want just want to be entertained and have a platform to do cool shit. Uh, the only regret is that we didn't use this platform sooner to talk about some of the bigger things. And even then, we have, I think, more than a lot of average places have done so. And we will continue to do so because we want to do, we want this show and we want this podcast to be uh, as inclusive and as welcoming a spot as possible. Because goddamn, this this industry needs it right now, um, and to say the least. And uh, it's going to get harder before it gets better, but we've already seen a couple of steps in the right direction, and hopefully that will continue. Special thanks to everyone that backs us on Patreon in particular. You, the guys that keep the keep the, the whole wheel, the whole gravy train rolling. Um, the podcast is self sufficient thanks to all you guys. Um, keeps the website afloat, keeps the SoundCloud afloat. 
um, the fact that you that you guys think you know you're worth giving us money every month to listen to us a little bit earlier, or we're just worth the support, is an, is, is an incredible gesture. Um, it's one thing to watch; it's another thing when you want to donate part of your checks towards us, um, which is just crazy. So, special thanks to everyone on Patreon that, that, that backs us financially, even if it was only for a month, even if you dropped off in a very understanding and challenging time in the world. Completely understand. Yeah. And thank you. For your continued support it really does mean the world um special thanks to everyone that's um god that's promoted the crap out of us in the last month because we've been very very fortunate to have been picked up by some great people special thanks mm-hmm. to Stuart at chain bear who promoted the crap out of us to a point that uh even that made me tear up in my own friggin' workplace when i couldn't believe he featured one of my videos on his community tab that was a complete fucking shock um and i never would have anticipated something like that happening um on a personal level over 700 people have followed me in the last two weeks which is just absolutely insane um i wish it was for better reasons i wish it was for brighter reasons uh, but your support is still absolutely appreciated and i'm incredibly grateful for everyone that's just chipped in to follow me if you're following me please follow king Please and you know keep keep the momentum going. I'm not the only black guy here. Um, my only stretch. And let's be honest, we've been here. We've been here for a while. Um, you know, you know be- better late than never, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, still, thanks to everyone that's chipped in uh, where that's concerned. Um, thanks to Chain Bear. Thanks to Jenny Gow as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's just say I'm going to be somewhere very, very special in the next couple of days. I can't quite tell you what just yet, but I will tell you on Monday night. So, yeah. By the time you listen to this, if you're listening on the podcast, you will know. But if you're watching us now on Saturday, mm-hmm. mystery. Stay tuned. I do not exaggerate when I say this. It is the biggest media opportunity of my entire life. And this one will take some topping. I um, that's all I will say for now. Um, so special thanks to them. Special thanks to the guys at WTF One to Tommy um, as well. He's been plugging the crap out of out of our work as well, and me as well in particular. Um, they they've all chipped in again. The recognition is incredible. We hope you guys stick around. Um, uh, to, to say the least. Um, we're all, I think we're all right at this hot motorsport thing as well. Um, of course, special thanks to to Lewis uh, uh, over at Bike Live as well, who's always helped us out with the bike stuff as well. He's edited on occasion, and like I said, living the dream out there in, in Spain, and I couldn't be prouder of him. He's a part of our history, of course, as well as our co-host Adam Johnson, to you know, to Katie Fairman, to Zoe Hamilton, Scott Woodwiss, and, and um, there's a bunch more like, um, like I can't even name right now. Hazel Southwell and Hazel's been on the show. Uh, of course, our reliable super subs, Chris and Zoe, Elizabeth Blackstock, Remy Connors. They've all been doing. We all love you all very much. We appreciate <laughs> y'all for being on our platform. Thank you. Um, and yeah, as I said before, I couldn't be prouder of, of, of what we've built and. You know, hopefully this will be the start of something bigger because the last month has been absolutely insane and hopefully that momentum will keep on rolling and hopefully we can do more and more with this platform because this 250th recording, the, the partial rebrand, you can call it, um, 
and it's, it's been incredible and I'm very, very lucky I get to share this platform with three incredibly talented broadcasters in their own right um, and people that I've come to know as incredibly dear friends that I would do anything for and yeah, uh, the, 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 the brightest joy when I'm not working a 40 hour week in the bookies is being able to sit down and talk motorsport for a couple of hours with three of my best mates and I couldn't ask for anything more than that so thank you all and of course one more time thanks to every one of you guys that that, that listen and enjoy us like I, I don't know how we do it sometimes but uh, we do you guys are the best audience we can ever wish to have even now it's gotten a bit bigger and a bit bloated around the edges it's still <laughs> it's, it's still pretty awesome and um, thank you all so so much for you continue support, and here's to the next 250 because that makes 500 and made a good and good lord. Cheers. I'm gonna be like, I, I would say, <laughs> like, I, I would say, like, that that's gonna be like years down the road, but it's probably gonna be like this time next year, given the amount of shit we've pumped out in the last few weeks. Um, but uh, a toast in my empty water glass, well, actually, there's a little bit of water left in it. A toast to everyone at Motorsport 101, thank you all so much for listening, for watching, for however you, you invite us into your homes, the interactions, you name it. As I mentioned before, you guys are the best audience we can ask for. Love you guys from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you very, very much. We'll, we'll see you back sometime next week for episode 251. Yeah. Like, I'm not you are the world champion! That was exciting!